I think I'm all wired up now. It's good to see everyone. Appreciate your presence. We have a nice crowd this morning and we thank you for being here. If you're visiting with us, we certainly want to welcome you. We hope that you're comfortable. We hope that you have been made to feel welcome and we hope that you find the services to be according to the word of God. Appreciated the reading very much. Thank you for that, Isaac. For the last few months, we've been assigning these topics and there has been a method to the madness. February sermons, all those sermons in February, we dealt with the question of how we become reconciled to God. March lessons, the following month, we dealt with all the lessons in that month, dealt with the question of what happens when we become reconciled to God. What changes take place when we become reconciled to God? This month, we're talking about how we remain, how we continue to be reconciled to God. This morning, as Nathan mentioned, the subject I've been assigned is bearing fruit to the glory of God. And this is a particular tough topic for me. Anytime that we look back and see what kind of trail we've been leaving, it can be difficult. Anytime we do that, it's about some soul searching. It's about some things that we all need to do, and we're commanded to do this, bearing fruit to the glory of God. What kind of trail are we leaving? Many people think that bearing fruit to the glory of God is, is subjective, and it is a little. Many people think it's pretty vague, arbitrary. It's about inner growth. It doesn't affect anything else. 1 Corinthians 6, Apostle Paul said, You are bought with the price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which is God's. Not only are we commanded to look back and, and give an account to ourselves and be honest in our evaluation of what tracks we're leaving behind, and that affects us spiritually and mentally. As we begin, I would like for us to consider a basic principle God has handed down since the very beginning. And it's true in every situation. This is not news to anyone. We will reap what we sow. And that's true in all levels of life. We will reap what we sow. One of the basic principles that God handed down, cause and effect. What we do in this life matters. It matters to us. It matters to those around us near and far. And it matters to God. Ripple effect. There are consequences for our actions. The theory of chaos sometimes is referred to. We don't know how far those ripples go. And we don't know the magnitude of the effects far reaching away from us. We just know we reap what we sow. We get what we're giving. In Genesis, God set this down. In the Garden of Eden, he told Adam and Eve, he said, you tend this garden, take care of this garden, do anything you want to, eat of whatever you want to, except for one. We all know the story. Genesis 2 and verse 17, God told Adam and Eve, he said, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And the day that they ate of it, they died spiritually. The day that they ate of it, they became estranged from God. The day that they ate of it, they were removed from the tree, from the tree of life and from the garden of Eden. And the day that they ate of it, God condemned them and all of their descendants to physical death as well. They truly died. The wisest man that ever lived, Proverbs 22 and 8, he who sows iniquity will reap sorrow. You think they were sorry? Absolutely. One bite of fruit and that's what they accomplished? 
this little bit and that's what they accomplished? Hosea 8 and verse 7 says, we sow the wind, we reap the whirlwind. They sowed, they took a bite off a piece of fruit and condemned all mankind to spiritual and physical death. Now, don't blame them. We do our part to earn that death too. Don't blame them. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Apostle Paul put it this way, Galatians 6 and verse 7, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Sow to to the flesh, we're still going to reap the whirlwind. That sowing shows itself up in the rest of this life and the corruption and the misery that we live and eternal destruction. We sowed the wind. We're reaping the whirlwind. The good news is we sow to the Spirit. We also reap the whirlwind. We also enjoy the fruits of righteousness in this life and everlasting life beyond. We still reap what we sow, bearing fruit to the glory of God. And I submit to you today, brothers and sisters, that every person here and every person not here is sowing seeds. They're sowing seeds. We're leaving a trail behind us. Cause and effect. Is it a trail we want people to follow? Are we leaving behind a good trail for people to follow? Now, we all blow it. I don't mean that. I don't mean that because we do. We just, some worse than others, but we all blow it. But are we trying to leave behind a trail that others will follow? Bearing fruit to the glory of God. Thank you, Isaac, for that reading. Uh, we'll read a couple of verses and then we'll talk a minute and then we'll come back. So don't worry when I just read a couple of verses. But Jesus talking to his disciples, he said, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. We understand that. God is the, is the owner. Jesus is the true vine. Every branch in me, that's his disciples, isn't it? In me. Romans 6 and 3, Galatians 3 and 27, we're baptized into Christ. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. We're going to get pruned. That doesn't sound very, very pleasant, does it? Two choices here. Two choices. We fall into two categories. God either prunes us or he takes us away. And we don't want to be taken away. Those are the only two choices. If we're in Christ which we are, we fall into one of those two categories. We are either pruned or we're taken away. You ever done any pruning? It's not going to be pleasant. I'm not telling you that God is going to start cutting things off. But the very nature of pruning is to take off the things that aren't productive. The bad limb. That's a pair of loppers, by the way. Probably seen them, probably used them. Some people will take a tomato vine and a piece of baling wire or, or a clothes hanger and whip that tomato vine to knock the branches off. That's pruning. And we can take this in a spiritual sense, but it's painful physically, spiritually. It's painful. We're going to fall into one of those two categories. We're either going to be pruned or we're going to be taken away. And we'll get into more of that in a minute, but we do not want to be taken away. We want to be pruned. Those are the only two choices. And believe me, It's infinitely better to be pruned. The Apostle Paul in Hebrews 12 puts it this way. He said, And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as as sons. 
My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Chastening, that is pruning. That is wounding. That is correction. Do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by him, when we're scolded, when, when we're called to account on something we've done wrong. Verse 6, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. It's going to be painful. Isn't it? Verse 7, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Verse 9, furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them due respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. We've all been corrected by our fathers. We gave them respect by our parents. We still give them respect. Miss them because they're not around to line us out, to help us, advise us. But he, that's God, does this for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening, no scolding, no correction seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruits of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Those who have been trained by it, those who choose to use it as an opportunity when we're hurting, to use that as an opportunity to grow, an opportunity to be better, an opportunity to glorify God. I dare say everybody in this room has a problem, has big, small difficulty of some kind. We're, we're deal, we deal with things in this life. That's the way it works. We're not going to leave the trail by how much we suffer, but by how we react to that suffering. That's the fruit. But God does it for us. We don't know, though. It may be coming from Satan. We know the example of Job, and Satan is back there pushing buttons, trying to get Job to curse God and die. Trying to get Job to quit. To quit, not just quit, but quit in a horrific way. Great was the fall of it. Quit in a spectacular way where the ripple effects are felt for generations and generations. But God does not afflict willingly nor grieve the children of men. He does this for our benefit. We are chastened. We, he uses the things that we have to endure, the hardships we have to endure to build character, to build a better person, to grow his children. But we don't know if this is something caused by Satan or something caused by God. All we can control is how we handle that, to the glory of God or to help Satan. First Timothy 4 and verse 8, interesting passage. For bodily exercise, Paul says, profits a little. We can all agree. Bodily exercise profits. There's a little profit there. We work at it, we work out, we work, and there's pain involved. There's endurance involved. There's dedication involved. You can tell by looking at me that I don't have much of that. Physical exercise does have its place, is profitable, a little. But godliness is profitable for all things, having a promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Isn't it reasonable to expect that it's going to take similar hard work, similar enduring hardship, similar de dedication, but we sow the wind. We reap the whirlwind. Spirituality. No pain, no gain. 
Have you ever been in athletics? You've ever coached? No pain, no gain. You're going to lift, and it's going to hurt. You're going to run. I had a corner that was mine to clean up after, after I got sick in, from running lines, running wind sprints, running shuttles on the basketball court. I got to clean it up after I got sick. Is it reasonable to think that we're going to endure hardship for Christ as well? And we're going to have to endure it. What's our attitude while we're, endu- while we're enduring it? Cause and effect. Cause and effect. No pain, no gain. I guess I ought to get the rest of it on there, okay? <laughs> no pain, no gain. Christians are not immune to pain. We feel it just as much as people outside the church. Christians are not immune to pain. To pain. Christianity merely provides us constructive example, a purpose to help us endure, help us work through that pain. Two things are accomplished by godly pain, godly suffering. It allows us, as a Christian, we can get through that without being helpless. It allows us to endure without being hopeless. We're going we're gonna to be subjected to the pain and suffering in this world anyway. Christianity helps us to endure that without becoming hopeless. It's hard enough with God, with Christ, with our brothers and sisters. And I feel sorry for so many people who are enduring and suffering. But how much greater is that same suffering apart from God? Because God turns our suffering into blessings. Remember the passage we read, Hebrews 12 and 11? Afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruits of righteousness. How does no pain, no gain apply in the world and not apply to us? We're bearing fruit to our spirituality, bringing glory to God. How does that apply in a physical sense, but not in a spiritual sense? It certainly does, doesn't it? We want peace, the blessing of enduring God's chastening. It's peace for the soul, spiritual growth, fruits of righteousness, glory to God. How wonderful is it to think that the creator of all things, the master of this universe, we could actually add something. We could actually give him a gift. We could actually glorify God. How amazing is that thought? It doesn't come without some pain. It doesn't come without some dedication, some hardship. Now we're back to John 15. Verse 3 there, it says, You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me. That's continuing in Christ. That's remaining in Christ. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they're burned. I said a few minutes ago that we didn't want to be taken away. We wanted to be pruned because being taken away is the worst of all results. We don't want to be taken away and burned. Verse 7, if you abide in me, that's a choice to abide in Christ. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. We're going to get everything we need. We're not going to get everything we want, and that's a good thing. But we will get everything we need. Verse 8, notice this, please. By this, my Father is glorified, okay? That you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. If we want to glorify God, we have to abide in Christ. We have to bear much fruit to be his disciples and glorify. Commandment to his disciples. You want to glorify God, 
You want to be a disciple, bring forth much fruit. Verse 9, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide, continue in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. A lot, of, a lot going on in these few verses, isn't there? We're either pruned to produce more, even as a productive branch, or we ourselves are pruned and taken away and allowed to dry, withered, which is allowed to dry, and eventually burned. We don't want to be taken away, brothers. No study of bearing fruit to God is complete without the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. I'd like for us to look at that just for a minute. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Interesting thing is we look at these and we want to apply them internally. We want to apply the apply them in a vague, subjective way. But let's look at, at the meaning of each one of these. Love, and I, I put subjective love. That's charity. That's giving. That's, that's a sacrificial love. But the interesting thing, the recent conversation we had, and it was pointed out to me that that is actually the definition. I had never heard that, and it's an amazing definition. Why is love, charity, subjective? Why is that? Why is it objective? Sorry about that. Because it's not subjective. Well, explain that to me. So Ian told me. He said, well, if we treat everybody in the same way we treat our family, that's phileo. That's a good, a powerful love. That's a love that a mother has for her children. That's a wonderful thing. That's a godly love. Agape, charity, is that same love extended to people that we don't really care about. That's the hard part. That's actually painful. <laughs> Hopefully not very painful, but it's not easy, that's for sure. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, the world who hated him and crucified him. That's agape. And that isn't something that's in here. Certainly part of that is in here. But John said, my children, let us not love in word, but in deed and in truth. That's manifested by what we feel in here is manifested by what we do. Joy. Well, yeah, I'm glad, guy. No. That joy means exceedingly joyful. It means rejoicing. That's not in here. That is in here. Certainly it's in here. But this is how we reveal it. Rejoicing. Peace. Yeah, I'm at peace. That's not what it means. It means in a state of tranquility while we're dealing with others. The display, a trend, a trait of tranquility, a peacefulness. And it also refers to peace between individuals. Peace, long-suffering. Long-suffering means forgiving. That's not in here. That's forgiving with someone else. And it also means persevering, long-suffering through difficulty, through hardship. Kindness, caring, thoughtful, generous. Those are outward traits, aren't they? Goodness, virtue, and morality. That's displayed by how we conduct ourselves. Faithfulness. Now, that's a little different. Meaning faith? Yeah. Hold on to that. We'll come right back to faithfulness. Gentleness is a little different here. Gentleness is actually translated moral excellence, even kindness. And then meekness is actually translated gentleness. So it's, but we get the idea. None of these are strictly in here and never ever shown. If we have them in here, which certainly that's part of it, it has to reveal itself out here, and it's not always easy. 
Okay, let's look at faithfulness. Strong's defines it as believing, trustworthy, dependable, sure, and true. So faith is part of that. Believing is part of that. Faithfulness, faith is a part of that. But it's one thing to believe in God. It's quite different to be faithful to God. Faithfulness is an established pattern of strong belief that is demonstrated by being dependable and trustworthy, worthy, not easily. That's hard because we're all, I'm all over the place. I'm all over the place. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faith, fullness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. These are how we treat each other. They're in here, but they reveal themselves on how we deal with one another. While we're in the middle of hardship, while we're in the middle of difficulty, sometimes we're hurting. When I see people here in this congregation, I know mom the last few months would get ready for church and then have to have to take a nap have to take a nap just so she could be here get up early get ready some of you I know fall into the same category you're so tired by the time you get ready to come to church that you have to take a nap ask her said mom where you want to go terminal diagnosis where do you want to go we'll take you anywhere we'll get a motor home and we'll take you anywhere she said I want to go to church leaving a trail leaving a trail what kind of trail are we leaving? What kind of trail are we leaving? We're leaving one. We're sowing seeds right now. If you're here, you're sowing seeds. If you're out there, you're sowing seeds. We're sowing seeds. Is it a trail you want people to follow? And even those seeds are sown in hardship. That trail we blaze is blazed in hardship. And there's nothing abstract or theoretical about this list. These are skills. These are tools to enrich our lives, benefit us spiritually as we continue in God's blessings in the hardship that is life. The fruit of the Spirit. So what have we talked about so far? We reap what we sow in much greater degrees than what we sow the wind. We reap the whirlwind. Good fruit only is produced in Christ. And we have to choose to remain in Christ. And that's done by obedience. He said, keep my commandments. To remain in Christ, we must remain in Christ to bear good fruit. Disciples must bear much fruit. And that doesn't, that's not when we feel good. That's not when everything's great. Rain and shine. Good times and bad. God prunes us. Even, if we're, if, even when we're productive, He prunes us so we will bear more fruit. And we've talked about it. That's the good thing. The bad thing is we're taken away. Unfruitful are pruned and burned. The fruitful in Christ are eternally blessed. Those blessings start now and they never end. And best of all, we get to glorify God. The fruit of the Spirit. I'm too old, Monty. How many times have I said that? (laughs) I am too old. And boy, there's times you feel like it. Too old. And I'm sure they will reach a time, but do we use that for an excuse? You know, the psalmist said, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who, plant, who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. My toes are getting stomped on. I have used that. I have meant that. I am too old. I'm too old for this. I can still make it to the golf course. We can still do the things we want to do. Too old. How about too young? Too young. Can't do that. Maybe in a few years. I'm too young right now. I'm too young right now. 
Ecclesiastes 12 and 1, the wisest man that ever lived said, Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth before the difficult days come. If you're not experiencing problems, you will very soon. And the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. Paul told Timothy, 1 Timothy 4 and 12, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word and conduct and love and spirit and faith and purity. Nothing's better than to see a young person come up and participate. It's wonderful when you're too old. It is. It's wonderful. It's so encouraging. But by the same token, when we see people who are sacrificing at every age level, we have people working behind the scenes. We have people serving. We have people trying to bring glory to God in every age level. It's encouraging, brothers. It's encouraging to everyone because we know it doesn't come without hardship. We know it doesn't come without sacrifice. We know it doesn't come without suffering. It's not easy. I'm sitting here doing this now. It's not easy. It's not meant to be easy. To be outside of God is not easy. Why would being, being in Christ be easy? But it can work for our benefit in Christ. Young, old, rich or poor, sick or healthy, strong or weak, every one of us is sowing seeds today. Every one of us. Is it a trail we want people to follow? Last week, John talked on adding to your faith. Appreciated that lesson very much. And it also goes very closely with our study here today. Second Peter 1 and verse 5, But also, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, love. Notice verse 8, for if these things are yours and abound, not just yours, but running over, yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he that lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Brothers and sisters, you know that it's possible to be knowledgeable of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and still be barren, still be unfruitful. That's what he's saying right here. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge. We all have some work to do. We all have some struggles to work through. We all have difficulties and hardships that we're going to endure, and we don't know where they're coming from. Are they coming from Satan? Are they coming from God? We don't know. All we can control is how we react to it. We cannot bear fruit to the glory of God without knowledge, but we also cannot bear fruit to the glory of God with only knowledge. Second Peter 1, 5 through 7, faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. Fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Nothing vague, nothing theoretical, nothing that only reveals itself inside. If it's here, it will reveal itself outside. Practical tools to enrich our lives. Skills to help us manage our lives. Serving others, glorifying God. James 3, put it this way. Can a fig, my brethren, bear olives? We're going to bear fruit for whatever we're, we're planting seeds. What kind of crop are we going to get from those seeds? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives? Or can a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Who's wise and understanding? Am I? Ask a simple question. 
Who is wise? Understanding among you, among you. If it's truly godly wisdom, let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. That's the wisdom of God, isn't it? But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This is all how we deal with each other. This is, none of this is subjective. None of this is theoretical. It's how we deal with each other. What service are we providing for one another? Fruit of the Spirit that glorifies God. He tells us here that the application of godly wisdom acquired through hardship assists us in serving others, assists us in serving others with peace, in a peaceful way, gentleness, humility, being attentive attentive to others' needs and full of mercy. Individual growth, individual fruit is contagious. It spreads to those around us. If we're serving others, they're learning to serve as well. If we're doing for others, they're learning to do that as well. Romans 12 and 10, be kindly, affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, preferring, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, that means slothful in business in the King James, basically lazy. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. Distributing is not putting our money in the basket. It's actually taking out and physically distributing. Without personal growth, there is no growth in the body. We're a city that's set on a hill, Jesus said. And then he continues on and said, let, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Growth is pain. Growth is fruit. Growth is blessings. Growth is contagious. And growth glorifies God. Passage we read earlier, it's painful for the present, but nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. We'll close with Romans 8, verse 16 and 17. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Sow the wind and we reap the whirlwind, brothers and sisters. Can't even compare what we're going to enjoy with what we have to endure now. Bear much fruit. Disciples are commanded to bear much fruit to the glory of God. What kind of trail are you leaving here today? We extend an invitation to anyone that has a need, the prayers of the church, or if you're not a child of God here this morning, we would. The invitation of Jesus Christ is extended to you at this time. If there's any way we can serve you and assist you at this time, we would love to do that. If there's a gospel subject in the audience, please come forward and make your wishes known as we stand and sing.